So I have been here for about nine months, and it seemed like this might be a good time to say a little bit more about why I'm here and where I came from in terms of what is this Paulist Father's religious order that maybe you've heard of and maybe not. Uh, because we're observing the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, our patron saint, uh, this is a good time for us to talk a little bit about the Paulist mission and why me being here is a particularly good fit with that mission and with the community's charism. But first, I think it's important to talk about the Paulists at our very beginning, and that is with our founder, Servant of God, Isaac Hecker. Uh, Father Hecker is referred to as Servant of God because he is on the, the road, the process towards canonization as a saint. And when you're at that very first step, when the process is just open, you're referred to as Servant of God. To move up the ladder, as it were, to the next steps, we need a couple of miracles. So apparently, like me being here did not qualify. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like that to me, but they need something that's, that's a little easier to document. So be that as it may. So, if, you know, if you're praying for a miraculous healing or, and ask Father Hecker for his intercession, and that works out, be sure and let us know. Uh, early in the process of uh, working on Father Hecker's canonization, uh, we had somebody that called our offices and left a voicemail message saying that they had experienced a miraculous healing and that they wanted to let us know about that. And they didn't leave their name or phone number. You know, if you're calling to report a miracle, leave your name and phone number. That is not too much to ask. Otherwise, we can't do anything with it. Okay, so the founder of the Paulist Fathers was Isaac Thomas Hecker, and he was born in the year 1821 in New York City. And he grew up in a family that were kind of nominal Methodists. If there was a Methodist equi equivalent to the Christmas and Easter Catholics, he would have been one of those. Uh, not an especially observant religious family. Um, I think that they were really kind of part of the the civil Christianity that's very commonly a part of American culture at the time. Uh, when he was very young, like an early teenager, Father Hecker was, was stricken with a, a serious and even life-threatening illness. And one night as he was suffering with this illness, he had a vision of what he described as an angel who appeared to him with a particular message and you know, was it an angel? Was it something else? Was it a fever that was making him delirious? Who knows? Let's just say it was an angel, for the sake of argument. Uh, when he recovered from his illness, he said to his mother, I couldn't die yet because there's some specific work that God still has me for me to do. And that was the message that he says he got from that angel. Uh, as he began to grow up, Father Hecker became very involved with the uh, mid-19th century political movements in New York City, trying to find a way to remedy the very difficult living and working conditions of the poor in New York. Uh, he found, after a certain amount of time, that politics was not really a productive path towards changing society, a feeling we can all relate to today, I suspect. So, 
Eventually, he stopped worrying about politics and decided his energies had to be somewhere else. So he began correspondence with some of the leading intellectual lights of America at the time. And these were people that were part of what came to be known as the Transcendentalist Movement. So Father Hecker was writing to people like Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau and Orestes Bronson and some of that crowd. And they believed that that America was ripe for a revitalization through an intellectual and philosophical flourishing. And Hecker became very interested in that and started correspondence and talking with these guys. And eventually he decided he had to pursue this, so he left New York and moved to Massachusetts in what today we would think of as kind of a, a, a utopian hippie commune it was a place called Brook Farm, and it was, it was uh, set up outside of Boston in Massachusetts. And after almost a year at Brook Farm, uh, Hecker left because it was really clear that the place was not going to be sustainable. They were spending all of their time talking about and debating philosophy and culture, and nobody was actually working the farm. They thought, this is not going to make it. So uh, he moved on to another utopian commune called Fruitlands which was even further out on the fringe. And I think his experiences there left him convinced that these utopian idealists didn't have the answer either. And so he turned to Christianity and thought, this is something that's endured for nearly 2,000 years, and maybe there's a reason why. <clears throat> so he started doing some intellectual exploration. He began visiting different churches and talking to their leaders. Uh, Hecker was a real seeker. And so he, he did a lot of research and concluded eventually that the fullness of truth was found in the Catholic faith. And once he'd reached that conclusion, he knew that's where he had to commit his life. So he was baptized by the Archbishop of Baltimore and shortly thereafter decided that he was called to priesthood and religious life. He joined the Redemptorist Order who sent him off to Belgium to study for the priesthood. Coming back, ordained a priest, he began working with redemptorist communities, uh, particularly traveling around and doing parish missions to parishes of German immigrants. These missions were a way of kind of reviving the, the faith of a particular religious community, and they would come in for evenings of preaching and hearing lots of confessions and doing talks. It was kind of a retreat in place for those communities. And Father Hecker, although he liked doing missions, really believed that what he needed to do was not missions in German to German immigrants, but he wanted to do missions in English to everyone, especially to those people in, in the community that were not already part of the Catholic Church. And so he put together with uh, five of his companions a plan to go out and to start doing these uh, missions in English. And so he corresponded with his Redemptorist Provincial, who said, that, thank you very much for sharing your idea. That's a hard no, and go back to work. So a little disappointed, Hecker uh, and his companions gathered some funds together, and Father Hecker traveled to Rome to ask the Redemptorist Superior General if he could pursue this idea of doing missions in English to work on the conversion of America. 
Well, there was this little difference of opinion about whether or not he actually had permission to go to Rome to ask the question. So they threw him out on the sidewalk and found him in, in violation of his vow of obedience. And so Father Hecker, very disappointed, went up the street to the Basilica of St. Mary Major, where he sat down and prayed in front of a very famous icon called Mary, the Health of the People of Rome. This is an icon that is still there in St. Mary Major, and it's actually a favorite of Pope Francis, uh, who uh, periodically has that brought over to the Vatican for particular ceremonies that he's engaged in. Father Hecker eventually realized that he needed help. And so he went across town to the offices of the Propaganda Fide, or the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. At the time, all of the United States was mission territory. Because we were such a young country, uh, the church was not particularly well established here yet. And so it was all under the authority of the Department of the Vatican that's in charge of missions. So Father Hecker went to the Propagation of the Faith and met with a Cardinal Barnabo, who was the head of the congregation. And Barnabo was very taken with Father Hecker and with his enthusiasm for preaching missions in English. Father Hecker really had a vision of bringing together the best of American culture and the best of the Catholic faith, with the belief that these two things would work together to help both of those things flourish. So Father Barnabo said, find yourself a cheap hotel room and write letters to all of your uh, friends among the uh, uh, bishops and archbishops in the U.S. and see if we can't get you an audience with the Pope and see what he thinks. So Father Hecker did that. He spent months in Rome because at the time mail was going back and forth by boat. And eventually he got the recommendations that he needed and he got an audience with the Holy Father who was very taken with Hecker and with his enthusiasm. And eventually the Holy Father said, you know, I think this is a worthy experiment. This seems to be a movement of the Holy Spirit. So he released Hecker and his companions from their vows as redemptorists and sent them back to New York to set up a new religious order that would at least initially be under the Archbishop of New York. And that was the beginning of the Paulist Fathers. Eventually, we were given a parish in what was then the outskirts of town and what is today Midtown Manhattan. And that's the Church of St. Paul the Apostle, right off of Columbus Circle. It's the third largest church in the city of New York. And if you find yourself in that part of town, drop in and you can see Father Hecker's tomb. He's actually buried at the back of the church. So the second thing that Father Hecker did after we got the parish was he went out and bought a printing press. He believed very strongly that we should be using all the best tools of communications to communicate the gospel to the people of our country. And at the time, that meant printing. So he founded the Paulist Press, which is today still operating in one of the largest publishing houses, Catholic publishing houses in the US. And they began printing books and pamphlets to explain the Catholic faith to the people of America. Um, and as more people were drawn to the community, we began doing all of those missions in English all over the country. Uh, particularly missions to people that were not Catholic. Uh, the community's always been very much involved in communications, and that's where I've spent a lot of my career. Uh, the first public radio station began broadcasting in western Pennsylvania in 1920, and within 18 months, 
that Paula's fathers had a radio station in New York, WLWL. Uh, eventually, we, uh, we gave up the license to that radio station and sold it to what would later become WOR Radio in New York. Uh, the Paulists were very much involved in the early days of television in Los Angeles, and eventually we started making motion pictures as well. Uh, probably our best known movie was the biography of Archbishop Oscar Romero. Uh, you may have seen that. It is available on your favorite streaming services if you have it. It's a good story. Um, my history with the Paulist Fathers uh, began at Penn State when I was an undergraduate. And I found, as I, as I was starting to research religious orders and explore my own vocational possibilities, um, there was a poster from the Paulist Fathers in, in the lobby of the chapel at Penn State. And I sent in the postcard and started corresponding. And I was immediately taken by the very American character of the Paulist order. We were really founded to be a good fit with American culture. So we don't have a particularly European outlook. Our superior general is called the president and is elected for up to two four-year terms. That should sound vaguely familiar. Um, but we've also always been involved in communications. I spent my early years of priesthood as a radio producer in Washington, D.C. Uh, I've also worked in television and satellite communications. Uh, I was one of the people that began the Paulus work on the internet back in the 1990s. That's back when the internet was steam powered. <laughs> yeah, those were, those were heady days. Uh, but we've, we've always maintained that kind of online presence right from the very beginning of a publicly accessible internet. Some of you may know the Paulists through uh, Busted Halo, either the bustedhalo.com website, which is for young adult Catholics and other seekers, or through the Busted Halo radio show on Sirius XM satellite radio. Last spring, right before I came here, I had the opportunity to uh, be the guest host on the Busted Halo radio show for five weeks. And boy, that was a lot of fun. I love doing live radio. It's so terrifying. <laughs> because you never know who's going to call in or what's going to happen. It's, it's very exciting. Um, and, you know, maybe you'll get a chance to do that again at some point. The Paulists are in major metropolitan areas across the U.S. because those tend to be the cultural centers. So we're in New York, Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, uh, Berkeley, California, Knoxville, Tennessee, um, we're also in a lot of campus ministries. We're at the University of Tennessee, we're at UCLA, we're at Cal Berkeley, um, now we're here. So uh, this is places a very good fit for the Paulist Fathers and for me personally. So when, when I found out that this parish was looking for a chaplain, uh, it immediately felt like a really good fit for me. So I'm delighted to be here, and I'm grateful for all of the support that I've gotten from all of you in the time that I've been here. Uh, this is also, and this is not at all a coincidence, the weekend that we are asking for the Paulist Annual Appeal. Once a year, we go to all of our parishes, usually around the time of the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, and we ask for your financial support to help keep us going. And the, the Paulist Annual Appeal goes to support our administrative offices in New York. It supports the work of our two vocation directors, um, 
a lot of our outreach, outreach programs uh, and the, the formation and training of our seminarians and novices. So we really are dependent on the support of the people in our congregations to help keep us going, and we're very grateful for that support. Uh, at the end of Mass, I'll have a little bit more information about how you can support the Paulist Annual Appeal, and I hope you'll be as generous as you can. Uh, the Paulists are really happy that I'm here at, at RPI and at Christ Son of Justice, and I'm delighted to be here as well. This place is an excellent fit for the Paulist mission. The, the, really, the key elements of the Paulist mission are evangelization, the spread of the gospel to those who have no faith to, to participate in, reconciliation, working towards uh, reconciliation with the church and uh, with people who are alienated from the church, but also ecumenical and uh, interfaith uh, relations. So as the, the official chaplain for RPI, I have the opportunity to work in all of those different areas. So this is a great place for me to be, and I'm delighted to be here with all of you. Uh, I hope that as time goes on, you'll learn more about Father Hecker and the Paulists. I will keep talking about those things. And uh, I hope that uh, together we'll be able to advance the Paulist Father's mission here at Christ Son of Justice and at RPI. Thank you once again for all of your support.